So we have a guest host today, which is a new thing for us. I don't think we've ever had a guest host, uh, but welcome, Troy Hunt. Hey, uh, welcome to me. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it was a very rigorous process that you had to go through to get here. Yeah. Uh, but you passed. There were some touch and go moments, but we're happy to have you here. A few dodgy auditions. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some tough meetings between the three of us before we could really let somebody else in the door. But uh, I think it's going to work out. So I, I think the, the big thing to cover is this is our Christmas special. We are recording this as we did last year before Christmas. Uh, so we, we have to do the weird thing of guessing how everybody's Christmas is going to be. Yeah. And, and how, like, oh, what, what, what you did over Christmas. Uh, I'm going to predict that myself, uh, mainly I was unpacking. I moved two days ago and every room has so <laughs> many boxes in. Not unpacking presents, Matt. Unpacking boxes. No, no. It's like present unwrapping, except you get the hairdryer and yeah. you already own it. You get the things you've already got, yeah. Yeah. And, and I've, I've, I spent one hour yesterday looking for the kettle because they didn't label the box kettle. <laughs> it was, it was labeled something completely different. So that was fun. But yeah, Troy, what, what does Christmas look like in, in Australia? Hot. <laughs> so we, of course, have just hit summer. So we're we're second December at the time of recording here. So yesterday's first day of summer. We're in what we we do actually apparently define as a heat wave. So it's sort of thirty plus each day, or is about thirty four today. But we're going away for Christmas, and we're going north now. When you're in Australia and you go north, it gets hotter. So it's kind of the opposite to what probably most people are listening to here. So we're going sort of tropical areas, which will be in the sort of mid-30s, high humidity. Then uh, Charlotte and I, Matt and I, Charlotte, are, are going west out to Uluru in the middle of the desert. And some of the places we're going there are getting much closer to 50 Celsius. So that's what Christmas looks like for us. <laughs> A bit wow. different. 50 Celsius. Did I read somewhere that Australia really like a Christmas trifle. Is that a thing? Well, isn't it everywhere? No. Really? Well, we well we have we have trifle, but it's not really a, a festive dessert as such. <laughs> yeah, kind of a little bit. I wouldn't say it sort of stands out as, you know, how do you define Christmas in Australia? It's a Christmas <laughs> trifle. So less so that. But of course, a lot of what, it, it's kind of funny. It's a paradox, right? Like the stuff we do here is a combination of things that are much more conducive to the heat. So very typical Christmas dinner um, might be like prawns and uh, seafood and that sort of thing but we have that strong European heritage where it's like th th there's literally fake plastic snow all over the place at the moment in 34 <laughs> Celsius <laughs> <laughs> there's like these poor old guys like dressed up as Santa just melting and just about having a heart attack as they get around oh. their big red suits it's a good visual like Hawaiian shirts and then plastic snow everywhere I think uh, learning that you have Christmas trifle is, is possibly my, my favourite thing that I'm going to take away from this <laughs> <laughs> Trifle is my favourite food. I don't know why, but it, it really is. That's so British of you, Matt. I know. God, it's another, it's just another footnote in the Matt Davy biography. Like, Matt's favourite food, trifle. <laughs> of course. Matt went to school with Ed Sheeran. Like, okay. Yeah, that's, well. that's just it. Uh. <laughs> so in what Shall Weekly this episode, I thought we would do something a little bit different. Normally we like to round up the security news, but as we have the all-knowing Troy Hunt with us, and this is kind of our festive holiday special i thought we could make some security predictions for 2021 
as we all know, 2020 has kind of been a, a very unpredictable and unusual year, to say the least, that nobody really could see coming. And we've all had to kind of adapt and from working from home and all the challenges that brings. So I thought we could attempt to, to conjure up some predictions for 2021, all kind of Mystic Meg style, if you're up for it, that is. <laughs> yeah, like no pressure, so, but yeah. So what I've done <laughs> is I've created a list of things that I've pulled from other prediction lists. So the, the 2020 prediction lists are honestly just hilarious because no one saw COVID coming and the advancements in technology have all been around, you know, helping people work from home and, and all the things that come with that. And so when we look at those trend posts, they're just terrible. Of course they were going to be. And, and some of these are from trends for the future as well. So... The first one on my list is smaller and more targeted ransomware, which personally I absolutely think is going to become more of a thing over the next couple of years. When you say this, Matt, are you talking about like more personal ransomware? Like you'll be targeted or... I think smaller businesses. Smaller businesses, okay. Ransomware originally seemed to be like putting it out as malware almost and then seeing what you could get back. And... Now it seems much more kind of, you know, very targeted and, and very kind of specific businesses that they're, they're edging for. Of course, this could go in the opposite direction as well, where the targets become so small that, you know, it's, it's just kind of so broad. We've got to remember there's an ROI on this, right? As, as recalcitrant as, as the whole idea of ransomware is, particularly given some of the targets we've seen in, geez, even in recent months, it is a business and there's an ROI. And I, I, I wonder with the prediction here around the, the smaller ones, how does that change the ROI? It, it sounds like it's targeted as opposed to indiscriminate. How can we just propagate this stuff as far as possible? And then, yeah, it's going to be a whole bunch of mums and dads and that sort of thing. And they're, they're small fry, but the overhead is very, very small. And then on the other end of the spectrum, particularly if we look at the likes of some of the healthcare institutes that have been hit recently, they're very large targets with very high values. So I wonder where this fits in sort of the ROI scheme. You know, if, if there is effort invested in order to target an institution that is small, does that still pose sufficient return to justify the effort? That's very true. And I wonder whether it kind of balances with the fact that it's probably easier to stand up a ransomware attack now. There are more widely available tools and everybody you know who wanted to give it a go and had no morals could could probably push for it it's actually one of the things i'm surprised about we didn't see more of as troy mentioned we had a, a few stories come through of hospitals being hit and stuff but it seemed like one of those types of attacks that would be pretty opportunistic given sort of the upheaval of everyone's everyone's working life yeah it might be something that evolves over time uh, so the next one is IoT. I know, Troy, you've had a hard time recently making your house a bit smarter. But Internet of Things, in, in terms of kind of the wider market, hospitals have started to shift procurement to IoT medical devices. And I think we might see a shift in, in other industries as well. D do we think this is something that, like we should definitely watch out for next year? I absolutely think it is. And there's several bits to that. This is all fresh in my mind. I, I spent all of last week finally publishing like a five-part IoT series, of which one bit was about IoT security. And my reading on this is that as we add internet to things, we, we open up multiple new vulnerabilities. So one of the vulnerabilities is in the thing itself. 
for example, Nissan. So Nissan had a vulnerability that someone in one of my workshops found in, in Norway about five years ago. And, and long story short, it just meant that you could start to change climate control features in anyone's car so long as you knew their VIN number, which you can either read in the windscreen or you can guess because they're innumerable. So we're sort of putting internet in things which gives control of the thing to external parties. But then if you look at it on the other side as well and go, well, a lot of the value proposition of IoT is to collect data. And when we add internet to things that never had it before, we collect data that never had it before. My washing machine is IoT. It's a Samsung. It plugs into like Samsung smart things and it, it collects data. Now, I am not particularly worried about the exposure of data from my washing machine. I'm not sure how much you can really tell from that. <laughs> but there are other classes of devices, which maybe we shouldn't get into too much detail in this particular podcast about, which now have internet, which never did before. And some of that is a very, very personal nature. And that's now collected. So we're looking at risks, not just with the devices themselves, but with the data that they collect, which is growing massively because it's so cheap and so easy to add internet to things sometimes it's kind of useful but it's regularly just a point of difference it's a it's a marketing buzzword as well and that i think creates a very very interesting scenario now yeah i, I don't think manufacturers of these things really think about the afterlife of the product how long that they have to keep these servers going as well and and how long that they have to keep them protected for Adding it just as a buzzword to a product is really dangerous when you don't think about kind of securing the long term there. I also think I would be terrified of a smart washing machine if it started pooling data and was like, this person's washing is 10% dirtier than, than the average. <laughs> and, and kind of putting that information out there, I, I think that would be uh, you know something that I definitely wouldn't want public. Well, is there something you want to tell us about your washing? Like what's the... <laughs> <laughs> Do you only I, wash your clothes once a month, Matt? <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> needs must. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think Internet of Things is, is absolutely on the top of the list for, for next year. Just everything seems to be coming out smart, you know, whether that's a smart decision in itself. Okay, so next one is insider threats. So, you know, due to the increasing cost of other attack vectors, attackers will likely be willing to offer larger amounts of money to insiders. I think this comes kind of off the back of some of the stuff that Twitter has had in the past as well. They've had a problem of, of insider attacks. Do we think that this is something that will be on the rise? I sort of immediately thought of like everyone has their price. <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> at, at what point is enough money offered where you're like, yep, okay, I'll sell my soul for that hypothetically so i wonder in this case if it's partly a recognition that we're getting better at defenses in other areas and we need to just keep finding the weak points and the weak points tend to keep coming back to humans don't they yeah i i think that you know the way one password is set up is of course where we don't have access to very much data and you know one of the things that i try in my just general working life is you know whenever i get invited to a thing not accept it until I actually need it, you know, not join that service just because I can, you know, that just allows less pervasive access within a company, right? You know, companies should be moving to this model in a defense of insider attacks. No one inside Twitter, even customer service should be able to, you know, make such sweeping changes over large amounts of accounts without 
kind of being flagged or picked up or something. I think there's a bit of some of the fundamentals there as well. Principle of least privilege, segregation of duties, all this stuff is well known and, and there to help combat precisely the style of attack. So the next one is, is 5G. This is a hilarious buzzword at the moment. Uh, it just, it's <laughs> everywhere. There's a billboard that I can see sitting here from my window that just says the words 5G on it. Some of the articles that I looked for, you know, people seem to be more and more connected to 5G and it's fast enough that perhaps they wouldn't then connect to their local networks inside companies. That was the concern of this particular trend post. The other one is concern for 5G swarm attacks, which are bot networks made up of people connected to 5G providers. This one seems suspect to me, but what do we think? Is the value proposition of a 5G, I'm air quoting here, swarm attack, (laughs) that you just have enough clients with high bandwidth that they do more (laughs) DDoS attacks. I think it is, yeah. I think it's essentially an always connected device with a lot of bandwidth. I Hmm. I think I'm going to pass on this one. Yeah. (laughs) I also think this one might be a little bit daft. Cut to Christmas 2021, where we're reflecting on all the uh, 5G swarm attacks that have happened. (laughs) Anytime anybody says swarm attacks, I just see like small mini little drones flying in B-style swarms. Oh, that'd be cool. I mean, if it wasn't for the attack bit, that'd be cool. (laughs) (laughs) But that's not the kind of attack. Yeah, an attack of that would be terrifying. The next one is, is 2FA, and this appears, I think, on every prediction list for the last, I don't know, five, maybe six years. The fact is, it's still not really widely adopted anywhere. Do we think that this might be finally the year for, for 2FA? And, you know, maybe when we talk about 2FA, we're really talking about, you know, multi-factor authentication now because so many devices are attempting it. What do we think? I think no. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't think 2021 is the year of, of 2FA. I think being more pragmatic about it, 2FA is a very rough tool trying to provide sticky tape over an underlying problem that in time will overcome the underlying problem and the necessity for 2FA will be different. But the thing that I just continue to struggle with with 2FA, like I turn it on on all my things, but it is painful. And if if you don't know what I mean by that, like if anyone's listening and they're like, no, 2FA is not that hard, go and try and set it up for your elderly parents. Do that, come back, we'll have a discussion then. (laughs) I'm sure many people have done that this Christmas as well. (laughs) Yes. Well, okay, so here's what you really need to do, though. Set it up this Christmas, then during 2021, let them get a new phone and not migrate their soft token app, and then in Christmas 2021, try and help them log into an account. Like that's, that's, that's the test, right? It's not just the setup, but it's the maintenance of the thing. And this is where something like SMS is 2FA, even though it's fraught with so many other problems, it's like, well, if you don't migrate your Authenticator app, at least you can still log in, you know, so long as you still have control over that phone number. So I just think it is such a rough-edged tool in most of its incarnations, with the exception being things like if you have an iPhone and you're already logged into your Apple account, then you've got like a pre-authenticated 2FA device in your pocket, then that's great. But most of the other implementations are just very, very rough UX nightmares. Yeah, I do tend to agree. One of my pet peeves is when you have to get a code from somewhere, they give you a time-limited amount of time to do it. 
and then you go back and then it's run out by the time you get there. When dealing with my parents at the moment, it's over the phone, not seeing them in person. And and if you've ever tried to get a 2FA code and then get an elderly parent to type it in, in the 30 seconds that they expire in, that's painful. <laughs> <laughs> so let's move on to the next one. More mobile specific phishing attacks. So these are things like SMS messages, MMS messages, you know, WhatsApp, certain things through social networks as well. I know I've had some that are very specifically through Instagram and through Instagram direct messages. Do we think this is something that could become a trend for the year? I saw MMS and I had to stop and think about what that was just for a moment. It's a long time since I've seen that happen. That's what happens when you send a message to an Android user, Troy. <laughs> <laughs> but don't you just use like WhatsApp or Facebook Messenger or something like that? I mean, that that is very true. Yeah. I think there's going to be a rise in kind of things coming via SMS and, and stuff specifically, just as more people's mobile numbers are essentially made public through data breaches, right? I know whenever I put a mobile phone number in when I make an order online now, I'm always wary because I fully understand that there's only one way to change my mobile number and it's quite difficult. And, you know, you're essentially giving that to a company that probably won't hold on to it as well as I will. There are certain pieces of information that I just, I treat as public of my own. Like I, there's no way that my email address and my phone number are not just everywhere in the world for anyone to do anything they want with. Not to say that I just sort of, you know, put them out there, but I also, if I have to put them in somewhere, I'm like, well, this is already clearly exposed somewhere. So it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. I, I think it depends on the kind of risk profile of the, of the individual, right? Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's jump to the next one. More cloud provider attacks. So I, I think this is kind of the uh, the rack spaces, you know, everything with cloud in the name. Essentially, you know, COVID and working from home and there being so many more businesses moving to the cloud. I think, you know, cloud providers are seeing a an increase, right? This year, we did have the biggest DDoS attack on, on AWS. Do we think this is something that could grow next year. It's kind of all cloud now anyway, really, isn't it? So I don't see how that is at all avoidable, having growth in, in attacks against cloud providers. And particularly if there's attacks for providers that have so many different tenants as well. Like If we go back to that sort of whole ROI premise, like the R on that is absolutely enormous if you get something to work, right? Yeah, absolutely. Looking at it from that aspect, they hold so much more information and, and so much more collateral than than one single company is going to the the provider that stores all the information for multiple companies yeah very interesting i, I think that's certainly going to be a an issue i'm sure cloud providers and stuff are moving and scaling up it was interesting to see the largest ddos attack on aws and kind of their post was like you know this was bigger than we anticipated but we still managed to handle it quite well it's amazing how many sites were hit by that the list is enormous. It was pretty remarkable. Talk about a return on your investment for an attack. Like you're getting everybody with that thing. Absolutely. Yeah. So the next one is personal information theft. So this is the theft of things like facial recognition, you know, DNA and all this kind of personal information and the evolving nature of personal information and kind of using it all as, as fuel for phishing attacks. I personally think that this is something that will absolutely be on the rise as more things, more biometric things collect this data. You know, we're only going to see it being used to 
trick people more once it's stolen. Hey, hey what do you do if you get someone's DNA? It's, wipe it off because that's gross. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> what can you do? You can't clone somebody, can you? I mean, I, you know, I, I really didn't see the use of passwords in data breaches being used to tell people that you had access to other accounts. So, hey, I see you use this password quite a lot. I've been watching you on a webcam, right? I didn't see the link between those two things, but that's absolutely a thing that has been prevalent, right? And I wonder if, you know, maybe maybe not DNA specifically, but maybe fa- facial recognition data or something like that could be used in a way that you know, helps and aids phishing attacks. But see, this is what I think is is kind of interesting when people say, let, let's say it's the DNA piece, like, ah, oh, I'd feel really violated if someone got my DNA. Or uh, even fingerprints. Like the number of times you hear people go, oh, boy, if someone gets your fingerprints, you're going to be in trouble then because they're going to log onto all your devices. Like, well, hang on a second. Like, the, the, there is the issue of someone obtaining a piece of personal information like that, and that's part of the picture. And then the other part of the picture is what can you actually do with it? Now, DNA, I'm at a loss. It's like, what, what are you going to do? Are you going to, like, create a cloned Troy and this is going to upset me somehow? <laughs> yeah. I think it would be like the, the Dolly the Sheep version of Troy. Okay, that would be weird, but I'm just not sure it would actually be a big problem. And even the fingerprint bit, it's like this is not a password. A password is something that anyone can take and use right now with very, very little sophistication. A fingerprint, like you've been watching too much James Bond, you know, like the whole idea of I can just lift your print (laughs) off a glass and then suddenly log into your accounts is fundamentally different to that. And if your personal threat model is worried about adversaries with that capability, you know, A, what have you been doing? (laughs) And B, that is going to be very, very different to what things like biometric devices are designed for in terms of most of the people who they protect. Yeah. I like it. I agree. Let's move that one back down the list then. <laughs> so the next one is is deep fakes. And, you know, do we think these are going to be a problem in, in kind of the media and, and all that type of thing? Do we think that detection will keep up with the attacks? That one worries me more because it's something, and if we think about both audio and video, the, the audio almost worries me more because it's just that much easier to replicate than, than video as well. We're already in this era where we have so much trouble knowing what to trust. It's it's such a weird time, isn't it? I think particularly over the last four years, if we just kind of align this to US elections, that's been a big problem. But as we get to this point where the automation of deep fakes is that much easier and the public susceptibility to believing fakes is so much more, it's very difficult to tell the, the difference between real life and parody. There's a little bit of Poe's law <laughs> in action, actually. I wouldn't be surprised at all if this is a bigger problem. This one in particular for me comes down to, you know, combining it with phishing attacks and other attack vectors. Yeah, this is one that I do think about a bit. Yeah, I, I think there's, you know, there's even tools out there at the moment where you can type in something and, and get a famous person to, to read it out semi-convincingly. You know, when you add in the distortion of the of the phone and, and things like that. I mean, how long is it until those voice models are able to be collected from public speeches and and things like that. Yeah, this this one does worry me. So the next one is kind of an interesting concept, but 
What do we think of, you know, verification in the future years and the reduction of trolls and, and catfishing and, and all this stuff by maybe verifying your, you know, government ID or verifying biometrically or verifying some way that you are who you say you are and you are this person on the internet? Do we think this is going to be something that comes out in 2020 as a way to curb trolls, I guess? I think just, like, ask people for their date of birth, social security number, favourite colour, mother's maiden name, where they went to school, and, uh, and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, Nothing can go wrong. Can we just get something to replace capture, though, please? <laughs> <laughs> if, if we could just solve that. It's kind of the paradox where... And I find this really, really fascinating. I think there's lots of aspects of technology where this holds true, where on the one hand, it can be a massive privacy violation. But on the other hand, by virtue of doing that, you manage to get much more confidence around something like authenticity. And we sort of keep coming back to this thing of like, don't share too much information. Or by the way, the more information that we have, that the better we're able to very legitimately figure out whether you are who you say you are. And we see a lot of the same stuff happen with fraud detection. It's interesting, even when you look at a way, uh, the way a lot of apps work, particularly in the financial sector, around the amount of information they have access to. Things like mobile apps running on the device that have access to the, the name of the SSID you're connected to, or the MAC address of your network hardware. Now that on the one hand feels really invasive and you go, well, hang on a moment, look, maybe I don't want to share that. On the other hand, they're great attributes that can help a legitimate organization start to give you a little bit of a confidence rating in terms of how legitimate you are and maybe stop you from losing some money out of your account. So I think that that is sort of more interesting than anything else. Like how do we, on the one hand, preserve privacy, but on the other hand, actually try to provide better services to people that in part by establishing their authenticity? Yeah, I, I think any way that we can do this, I, I think, you know, if Twitter brought in something like that, it would probably cut their monthly active users in half. I think it could be something that comes out as a as a service that a company provides, being able to judge whether something is from a legitimate source as a person almost. So the next one on the list is kind of hospitals and, and financial institutions. You know, they're emerging as a big target. I wonder if that continues as the years go on. I'm kind of worried to say that I think it probably will. They are a, a source of both information where, you know, IT departments are, are probably always stretched and protecting them is going to be really difficult. They have a bunch of information and, and not the time or the budgets usually to protect such information. Yeah. Yeah. And definitely if we're seeing more IoT in hospitals, medical devices linked up to the internet, I think it's uh, definitely going to be a lot easier. I think that those are two industries that represent some of the well, maybe not hospitals as much anymore, but certainly financial institutions have a lot of legacy systems in place that are hard to change. And anytime you have, have systems like that, unless you're doing software updates via floppy to a Boeing 747, <laughs> there's a real risk of those legacy systems being attacked in ways that couldn't have been anticipated when they were originally created. And so, yeah, like I, I do think that this is something that's going to continue to happen. We're also back to ROI again, where 
particularly for financial institutions, but let's face it, look at the budgets of some hospitals as well. Where's the money? And then perhaps more so in the case of hospitals, where's the low-hanging fruit? Where can that investment be reduced but still get the return? So I I think that makes a lot of sense. I'm noticing a trend here that's just more of everything, (laughs) more attacks, more threats. (laughs) I feel like we need some positive predictions for 2021. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hey, to Anna's point, that there is a positive side to all this, which is it's a great time to work in InfoSec. Let's uh, let's pause on that for a moment. (laughs) Come and join us. That is true. We do have a a lot of openings at at 1Password. Please do come and apply. (laughs) So, Anna, I think we have a very special and and festive game of, of Play Your Passwords, right? We do, yeah. So for Troy and for any new listeners, I'm going to explain how Play Your Passwords Right works. So I will show a password and then reveal how many times that password has been in a breach. I will then show another password and Matt, Rue and Troy, you will have to guess whether it's higher or lower and has been breached more or less times than the previous password. This is, of course, all made possible by the all two familiar and wonderful service that is haveibeenpwned.com forward slash passwords. <laughs> you can also go there if you want to play along at home. Okay, so no, no cheating from my side. No cheating from your side. I'm <laughs> expecting you to be an expert on this though. <laughs> I, I am expecting you to know pretty much, you know, roundabout what, what types of, uh, of words are in there. But I, I think that's probably an overestimation if we if we think about how many words are actually in <laughs> Have I Been Pwned. Now, Troy, did you know that we had gamified your service? Not until we started this call, but it sounds kind of cool. Listen, families are playing this around the fireplace. It's, it is just <laughs> absolutely sweeping the nation. It is. We've got a Kickstarter up right now. You can go and support the boxed edition of Play Your Passwords Right. It's, it's really amazing. I mean, the thing is, we've been absolutely terrible at this, really, haven't yeah, we? we? It should be obvious what is in there more than not, but it isn't. It really isn't. I always think the shorter the word, the less it has to be in there because of like the rules that people have on entering passwords. But that's just not Matt, true. You're, you're kind of too logical at this game, I, I think. I think so. <laughs> I try to go. I, I think I try and analyze the mindset of people who would use these words as like singular words. <laughs> and they're, they're, Troy, these are all uh, lowercase and no spaces. No numbers. Like no all good passwords. Yeah, no, no symbols or anything. So, all right. Take it away, Anna. All right. Take it away. The first festive password we have is snowman with 37,086. 37,000. Yeah. So next up we have Rudolph. What do we think? Higher or lower? Uh, that's hard. Uh, I'm overanalyzing again. I think that's harder to spell. So I'm going less. Yeah, I think we have to go popularity here. That's uh, if, if it was me, it'd be like, okay, what am I more likely to have? I think there would be more snowmen than Rudolphs. Uh, I'm with Matt on that. Yeah, same, same. You are all correct. It is lower. Only 5,748. I like the idea of popularity, though. I like the idea that, that, <laughs> that snowmen in general are more popular than, than a Rudolph. <laughs> <laughs> hasn't, hasn't he been through enough, really? <laughs> yes. The next one we have is a great Christmas film, but also the name of somebody that really despises Christmas. 
a Grinch Ooh. or Grinch. Um, I'm going lower still. Lower than Rudolph. Yeah. No, this one's higher. I think if we go back to the logic about spelling, I think we're we're higher than Rudolph, uh, lower than Snowman. Rue and Troy, you are correct. It is higher. <laughs> 7,539 there. There's 7,000 people who are using the word Grinch. Mm-hmm. Next up, we have a popular Christmas song, Jingle Bells. Oh, higher. Instantly higher. I, I can definitely see that. Some some person going, okay, I've set my device up at Christmas. I think we're going to end up, Jingle Bells, I think we're going to end up lower. I'm going to go lower than, than Rudolph. I'm going to stick to higher on this one, for sure. Uh, you can see that Troy is the expert because it is lower. <laughs> God damn it. I'm not checking these two. I just want to be clear. Okay, so straight up. Christmas. What do we think? Oh, it has to be higher. It has to be higher. Yeah, higher than everything. Yeah, that's higher. Yeah. That's higher. Okay, you are all correct. 54,539 there for Christmas. Oh. Next up, we have our first number. <laughs> Santa 1. Santa 1. Santa 1. Oh, okay. They've, they've put the effort in. They've you know? put a bit of effort in there. <laughs> I'm, go- I'm definitely going lower than Christmas, just because... That's 54,000 people. It's got to be lower than the that. The thing is, you know that this is just a website where they tried to use Santa and it's like, no, you must have a number as well. And uh, I will do something that the hackers will never work out. <laughs> See, that, like my analytical brain now is, is going, I think Santa won in isolation would be lower than Christmas, but I can imagine a whole bunch of websites out there saying that you must have at least one number in your password <laughs> which would artificially raise the number. 54,000 is quite a lot, though. I'm going to go lower than Christmas, but I don't think it's a lot lower. You are correct. It is lower at 12,419. I'm nailing this game. I like this. Well out in front. I'd play this with the kids over Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So the next up, we have Candy Cane. Lower. (laughs) Instantly lower. It's got to be. That's that's lower. Ooh, I think I might go higher. Higher than Santa one. Troy, your instincts are good. It is higher, but only just <laughs> at 12,972. Oh, my goodness. So Troy's hey, well out in front. If, if it was going to be anyone. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I have to tell you, we have never had just someone run away with this game the way that Troy is crushing Matt and I right now. <laughs> I'm so it's glad like it's you. It's like you have some sort of affiliate with uh, Have I Been Pwned? Troy. Honestly, not cheating. (laughs) (laughs) It's just amazing. You're outstripping us by double in points right now. It's incredible. So next up, we have Carol. Is that higher or lower than Candy Cane? I I mean, I'm just thinking of all the people named Carol that have put their own name in their (laughs) password field. Uh, I'm going... uh, Could be a pet's name as well. You see, the thing is, isn't six the minimum? I always think with these short words, who is allowing this? No, don't. You always get hung up on this. It doesn't matter. (laughs) I always do. Okay, I'm going lower. Lower than 12,972. I also am going lower. Now I'll wait for Troy to take the opposition and gain another point on us. I'm going lower too. I just didn't want to say it first in case I gave everyone a tip because I'm kind of on a roll here. All right. All right. (laughs) Okay. There's a first time for everything because you are all wrong. It is higher at 22,337. Where do you get this data? Seriously. (laughs) There is a lot of people out there named Carol. (laughs) Yeah. Next up, we simply have 
Winter. Higher or lower than Carol? I think it has to be higher. Yes, I'm saying higher. Six characters. <laughs> yeah, I, I just think that the opportunity for use is higher. So that's that's my logic. I'll go higher too. Yep, you are all correct. It is higher, 88,797. Winter being a, a, a big one. Biggest scoring so far. That's a popular song too. Last up really until our bonus round, we have Holly. Mm, lower. Five characters, Matt. Just saying. I know, it's, I, but that never works. I don't, I don't know why. <laughs> it's somebody's name. It's, it's somebody's it, name. Could be a pet's name. This is lower, though. Yeah, I think yeah, this is lower. It's got to be lower. Because there's more, there's more carols in the world than there are hollies. <laughs> How are you judging that? Yeah, you all got that last one right. It is 32,557. Oh, my logic was wrong, though. Okay, so what's the bonus round that brings me and Rue back? The bonus round... I think we guess the number on this one and see who gets the closest. Oh, I like that. Okay. So we have the final password as Troy is with us. It is Troy Hunt. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this has got to be low. Come on. If, if you know of Troy Hunt, surely, like, unless, you know, Troy, you're more well-known in, in circles around, like, non-infosec things that I'm, I'm not aware of. Like, if someone knows of you, they know of the benefits that surely come with using a complex password, right? This is a, a practical joke, right? Or this is Troy doing tests on his own on his own service, right? It's, it's, it's <laughs> statistically feasible that that was randomly generated, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I'm thinking... I'm thinking, like, under a thousand. I'm going to go, like, 500. Wow, okay. I'm I'm pegging it right down to zero. Oh. Zero. That was uh, not a very nice compliment, right? What? <laughs> I I think it's I think it's single single digits. I think it's probably about five. So Troy, you are proving that you are the champion of play your passwords right because you are the closest. It is eleven. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I mean, I've said five hundred, so I don't know where I was going wrong. It does make me want to go and see who used that password now. (laughs) Yeah, I know. If anyone wants to admit to using the password Troy Hunt at some point in their lifetime, send them some swag. There's eleven people walking around in the world. That's just going to haunt me all day. Yeah, all the same person, eleven times over. You absolutely uh, blew us out of the water there. The champion of player passwords, right, ladies and gentlemen? I think so. Jeez. And with that, (laughs) I think that's all we've got time for. Yeah, it's been fun. It has been fun. I hope everybody enjoyed the festivities of Christmas and the holidays. And love you all. Love you guys too. Love you lots. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Bye.